This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we reflect on our six years of operating a successful gym and the six characteristics that have defined our success. What's going on, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with episode 30 of The Business of Lifting Weights. It took us two takes to do that intro because <laughs> we're that rusty. Three, technically. Yes. Because this is the third. Um, I guess that's what happens when you get old and you turn the big 3-0 on episodes. Yeah. God, we're such a mature podcast. <laughs> 30 episodes. Um, so yeah, today we're pretty excited. We are going to talk all about things that we think have led us to being open for six years. Um, six years is a long time. Um, I'm super proud of that. I know that yeah. I think we still consider ourselves like in our infancy kind of, yep. um, with where we are going and kind of think and want to go. But, um, six years, we're definitely not, we don't want to overlook that each year. Our anniversary always sneaks up on us. We remember it by like somebody mentioning or asking us, but it always kind of, <clears throat> at least causes me to reflect a little bit on things that have enabled us to get to a certain point so for some reason year six seems more of a milestone than year five and i don't know why i don't know it i think maybe because it's it is actually one year more oh that makes sense <laughs> so, or maybe because it's the first year i remembered that it's our anniversary yeah because i think the last three years i just it blew right by and i had no idea i also rotate by accident calling it birthday and anniversary every time. It's really the birthday if you think about it. But um, yeah, so today we kind of put some thoughts together based on, you know, six years. You could go back and I feel like we could list, you know, tangible decision. We could go kind of down the rabbit hole of specific things that have happened or that we think were a contributing factor to success or something that we learned. But I think you know, speaking in a bit of generalities with it and just kind of abstract things that we have focused on that like despite micro changes and shifts that we've done are kind of the, the driving force. Like when you zoom out of the gym, like what are some things and how we run it and how the gym is run that have remained consistent? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like tasks and processes and stuff like that that we've changed and tested and gone through and evolved. But I think what we're going to talk about today are like, like you said, kind of the big concepts that have never changed throughout the six years of our business. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the first big thing that we're going to talk about is culture. Culture, I think, means different things to a lot of people. Um, you know, in, in your opinion, what is culture and, and why is it so important to kind of what we've done over the past six years? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think culture, like you said, everybody has their different version of it and everybody likes to say how important it is, right. but I feel like it has to be something that is very, despite it being a very intangible thing, it has to be tangible by your own definitions. It has to mean something specific to you. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's basically just the subconscious of the gym. Okay. So it's like when I think about culture, when I think about specifically performance 360 and why we've been able to be successful on the culture end of things is because it all goes back to, I think you have to attract the right people without marketing to them. Right. So it's like, 
everything that goes on to your gym, like people, they're in the gym and they behave a certain way and they're the, they're a type of person and they make certain decisions in the gym, you know, all of that. I feel like that's not something that like you, you, you train or show people how to do. It's like, they have to be, they have to, they have to just make these kinds of decisions or behave in a certain way or have a certain attitude towards their fellow member that they just have ingrained within them. I think if you're having to like teach somebody like, Hey, you know, don't be selfish in class or like, Hey, share the barbell. Like yep. we, we share here. <laughs> like that person is going to get weeded out if they don't like to do that. Right. So it, that's why I think it's just the subconscious of it. And I think why it can be so hard to define because it's just the aggregate sum of all these daily interactions that are going on within your gym and your relationships with staff and the staff to members and everybody involved. Everybody has to land on those kind of certain certain aspects of just behavior that everybody can agree is like the common ground for the gym. Yeah, and a lot of that comes from obviously the owners and the staff that they hire. Um, you know, if you were to try and give somebody advice, like a, a gym owner advice on how to establish a good culture, like, you know, what, what if somebody just doesn't really have like a clear vision at the moment of like what they want that to be, or, you know, let's just say that they don't have a good culture at the moment. Like how can they have a better culture? How can they teach themselves or learn to be able to establish that inside their gym? Cause I think that is like the big question that's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm a gym owner and I'm really not sure what to do here, then that's going to be reflected in your gym culture. So how do you then learn to know what to do? I think that is a different answer for every single person. And it's impossible to tell people how to create culture because I do think you have to intrinsically believe in that. Mm -hmm. Everybody is going to have their own niche that they attract more of, and they're going to have their own style that is going to be more for somebody and less for somebody else. But I think the most successful gyms out there are able to take an extremely advanced athlete, put them directly next to a person who is in class for their first day and have those people interact as if nothing is weird. Yep. That's kind of like the most high level way that I can say culture should be run in a gym. And yep. what I know we focus on all the time yeah. is as soon as you have like a separatist mentality and you know, you're separating people within the gym, I think you run into trouble and I don't think that's culture. That's like, classism like you're you're right. you're ranking people in the gym and you're you're separating based on ability and I totally get that you want to put people you want to put people into classes that are you know with like-minded people but I just hate the whole like micro version of like-minded people I like the macro version like if you're there to work hard you're like-minded right. and it doesn't matter what you can or cannot do you're all in that together and to me that's what creates culture that's what creates togetherness when we start kind of taking ourselves too seriously and we start worrying about only what our like high level people can do. And we start marketing as like almost like this chest puffing. That's what your culture becomes. And then you get a scenario inside the gym where it's like, that's all that exists. It's right. just like high level mentality, despite nowhere close to the amount of people being high level. Yeah. I remember we had a really good example in one of our earlier episodes when we were talking about gym culture um, a lot of gyms, you know, they'll have their general pop membership doing a class and they'll have custom programming for what they call their elite athletes. They're like working on the outskirts around the classes and everybody in the class is looking outward. Like, what are those guys doing? And it just creates such such separation that it makes 
your general pop feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's a terrible way of creating a culture. Yeah. And I go back, I use the like sharing a barbell mentality as like, it's a goofy example, but I I really do believe it's true. Like you can quickly observe how people are going to fit in based on like their interactions, just setting up their lifts. Yeah. And I, I like I, I have the I think I have the ability now where like I'll take a look around the gym and I'll see people like we'll get people that are very, very strong and advanced and high level, whatever you want to call it, who come in from maybe other places. And they're always kind of like loners and not not because of their ability level, but just because they're not used to like. I don't know, like sharing, like doing a lift with somebody and not on mm-hmm. their own or doing a workout where they're working in with somebody and it's almost like I'm just watching it from like a ticking clock. Like, this yeah. isn't gonna, this isn't <laughs> gonna work for this work. person. I can already see the writing on the wall. Yeah, and you know those people leave, and like, and it's fine. Like be, we we prefer that. It exactly like again culture culture is everything. It's the basis for all of our decisions. It's the DNA of the gym, and with a strong culture, the gym can withstand absolutely anything thrown its way. We've moved the gym. We've opened a second location. We've moved one of our gyms to a second facility. There's just any type of shift in movement. It does not matter because the culture is strong, and you have to get that right. Yeah, just kind of thinking the other day, there was a, a great example. Um, you know, I was participating in a class, and um, it was one of those classes that had a good amount of advanced high-level people in there, and one of our new members was testing out of one of their initial tests to be able to advance into the all-level training. Um, and they were on the row test, and we had all these high-level people, all these middle-level people, all these beginners, all kind of standing around cheering this person on. Um, and they completed the test with, like, seconds to spare. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, everybody <clears throat> kind of erupted and were clapping for the person. And it was just, like, this really cool moment that I, I felt like I was... I was just standing there and I like wasn't associated, but I was like, this is such a cool moment for this person and this this group of people. Um, And that's the stuff that gets people wanting to come back and kind of continue, you know, to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think an easy way to kind of audit your culture is next time you're in your gym, like take a look at a class, observe it. Mm -hmm. Like what are the interactions like? Is it just beginners with beginners? Is it just advanced people with advanced people? Like, of course, on lifts, people are going to partner up to a certain degree, but right. I'm just talking about the social, the social nature of being in the gym working. And like the best example of it, of what I love about our version of culture is, you know, the, the post we just did on social media with Noah. Yep. You know, Noah is one of, if not our best athlete in the gym. And he does this thing where like after every class, he rounds up everybody in his class and like encourage encourages them <laughs> to do 50 sit-ups together yeah. and it's it's not hard anybody can do it that's not the point it's uh and I, I asked him about it and he's like yeah it's just a good way to like bring everybody together in the class afterwards yeah for something everybody can do and like finish together mm-hmm. um and i just i thought that was awesome yeah. and that's a member of ours he's not a coach he's right. not an owner that's a member that set that precedent in the gym and it happens every time he's in class and now it's happening even when he's not in class yeah where other members are kind of taking up the taking up the torch and rounding people up to do some sit-ups. And it's all level, and it's started by the person who is, like I said, probably the best athlete in the gym. Yeah. And if I were to try and explain our culture, like I would just tell that story. Right. And 
I think for most gyms out there who have great culture, it's that type of thing where top of the mountain, bottom of the mountain, doesn't matter. Like you're going to interact the same and there's no judgment whatsoever. Yeah. And that kind of brings us into the next kind of big topic here is the people. People um, are different than the culture. Um, you know, how do you see that difference and what do what do you define as like the people and, and their role and how that all affects the culture? Yeah, I mean, I, like you said, I do think culture and people are different. Culture comes first. With good culture come good people. And I think, you know, you think about it, like culture, culture is the food ingredient list and the people are the chefs who kind of prepare that. Okay. So that's the way that I kind of look at it is great people are going to carry on the momentum of great culture, mm-hmm. but you can't establish this good culture and then bring in misfits. Right. So you have to, it, it's why we just believe so whole wholeheartedly in our internal FCC program where we, we certify members, turn them into coaches because yep. culture is everything to us. Yeah. And I believe anybody can learn how to teach somebody how to back squat properly, but not anybody can learn how to relate to somebody starting out doing that exact same workout that they're doing or doing that workout later in the day. We want people that are just engrossed in the gym. Um, they love coming to the gym. They don't do their own programming. They don't do their own outside of the gym stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, people are all in and, and, and I love that aspect of it. Um, and it's kind of like, a, you know, you have to have great culture to get great people and then you have to get great people to carry on the great culture. So it's like, it's all just this harmonious thing. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, you look at a lot of the people that have applied to be coaches here. And, like, we've had some fucking, like, badass people want to coach at Performance 360. And we've had to turn them down. Um, and, you know, talk a little bit about that process. Um, you know, our FCC program and why we do what we do in terms of bringing members on to coach. For me, that answer goes back to a quote that I really like, and it's people don't care about how much you know until they can see how much you care. So with a new person coming in who has never been a part of the culture, they're an outsider. And that's a label, probably a very unfair label, but it's still a true statement. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard for members to trust the person who's up there when they're not on the same page with them. And if they don't believe that you're really a part of what they're doing and you're there for them and you're doing the same things as them and every, all of your actions kind of align together, then you're never going to really buy into this person as a coach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when we've hired new coaches who've come in, who have not been members, we've, we've done that before. Um, it's just a long road for them to gain acceptance. Absolutely. And it's not to say that they can't, but we have just learned the most seamless transition of that is to take those members, put them through our certification program, which is very in-depth and Mm -hmm. spits out a very polished person ready to coach. Now they've got the knowledge and they've got the education. Well, they already have just enormous personal brand equity with members because they've been in there working out with people. They, have an incredible amount of trust and that's who people take class from. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in everybody is knowledgeable, but people go to the class of the person whom they trust most. Yeah. And I absolutely. think that that process results in 
a much better experience and it results in uninterrupted progress of the culture as opposed to bringing in an outsider. And like I said before, I don't think you can teach culture. So you might find out that this person, once they're there, is not a fit at all. Right. Um, and then what do you do, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you, you can teach anybody how to squat or anybody can teach anybody how to squat. You know, you look at the coaches that have gone through our program and they have now become like really fucking good coaches. Like it's not just about that culture and the type of person they are, but they also then become really quality experienced coaches. Um, so that part can just totally be taught, but it is so hard to find people with the mentality. And like you said, the trust factor, I mean, you know, people come to our gym for two years and then, at that point, they start the training, you know, the, the technical training, if you will. And to at become that, a coach. To become a coach. And at that point, like, they already know a lot of the members, if not everybody. They've, you know, experienced what everybody else is experiencing. And then the other thing that you mentioned is um, participating in class. Like, I, I think that is one of the most important things is people coming to class and doing the workouts. Um, when I used to coach more often – like the ability to coach a class that you've done previously in that day, like totally changes how you coach that class, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, so I, I think that's a major part of it. And you see a lot of coaches that coach at a gym and they go to another gym. Like they never train at the gym that they coach at like right. ever. Um, or they just don't do the classes at the gym that they're at. Yeah. And that's something that we expect from every single coach something we expect from ourselves. Like we're not writing our own workouts. We're taking the classes. Our coaches are taking the classes. And I think that's a huge, huge aspect to building a strong culture because it all goes back to that togetherness. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with all this stuff that we're talking about, you notice a theme of it and it's always like, you know, positive experiences. Um, and one thing that you talked about is keeping things net positive. Um, go into a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to like just, I'm going to redirect this back at you because I think you deal with this more than I do. But, um, yeah, keeping things net positive, like anybody who runs a gym knows that there's just a ton of stuff behind the scenes that's mm -hmm. happening that maybe members don't know about or your that maybe your staff doesn't even know about. That's like a, a problem that's come up or maybe it just happens to be a week where you get a high number of cancels than normal. And maybe those people who cancel like take a tone that you don't like. Right. And like I know that that affects you because you deal with that. So it's like, how do you take all of the negatives? I, I don't want to say negatives, just all of like the real life things that right. happen in running a business. It's not all like rainbows and sunshine all the time. <laughs> and, you know, keep things net positive with, with your presence in the gym because it's so easy to, to let that stuff impact you. And then that just seeps and infects other aspects of the business. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in the day when I feel like we... I mean, to give a preface of this right now at this moment at, you know, 600 and plus 600 plus members, uh, our churn rate is the lowest it's been. Um, our membership numbers are highest it's ever been. Um, and I actually made a slight shift over the past year, um, to how I handled customer service in a way. Um, and so without a doubt, you will get people that have a negative experience through no fault of your own as a gym owner. Um, but they might not have read the terms of your memberships, um, <laughs> which happens like all the time. Like even. you will be charged for coming here? Yes. Um, <laughs> like, for example, I just got a reply to an email 
this morning, which woke me up and sent my heart heartbeat racing because I was like, oh, God, um, you know, a girl signed up for a membership and had no idea that it charged every month, like mm-hmm. the membership says. Um, and so she wrote in and she had gotten charged a second month. And she wrote in and said, uh, this whole experience is, has, has really spooked me on your gym um, that you would charge me a second month when I didn't agree to it. And it's like, literally, you know, they filled out a membership form, which says this is a recurring membership. They signed it, and then they also have to initial three boxes that basically say the same thing. Like, right. I agree that I will be charged every month until I cancel, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like, they, you know. That's just, like the most easygoing membership, too, month to month. Yes. Not, not a contract. Yes. Like, that's basic service provider of service (laughs) agreement um but so they just didn't even look at it and just signed it and were charged a second month and then thought of our gym as a a shady business because of that and unfortunately that's going to happen like all the time like i i wish it didn't happen as much but like that stuff happens people just don't pay attention so the point being is there is a certain way that you can take these negative experiences and flip them around and create a positive experience. Um, for example, this girl, you know, said, I'll cancel my membership immediately. I was super excited to, like, give you guys a try and, and maybe join on for longer, but, like, this whole thing has spooked me and I'm done. So my reply was, I'm terribly sorry that, you know, there was some sort of miscommunication. I didn't attack her and say, you didn't read your membership mm-hmm. terms. Um, I said, you know, that month that you were charged the second month, um, if you are still interested in training here, like, why don't we just hold that um, until you're ready to come back and and start up again? And, you know, this was like two or three weeks after she thought her membership was done for the month. So she wasn't using it. So what most people would do is just say, I'm sorry, um, you know, you signed this form, like there's nothing we can do. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we took that and said, you know what? shitty situation let's make the best of it let's take that membership if you want to get going again this week if you want to wait till next month like let's just use that payment and apply it to whenever you're ready to get going and it's like all of a sudden that shifts of like oh my god like you know these guys are shady to wow that is very nice of them to kind of alter their terms if you will and like make a good situation out of it and that's just one one um, example like we've had a bunch of people in the past 30 days that I've chatted with that have actually um, come to Performance 360 from another gym because of some sort of bad experience through this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I can remember was they wanted to put their account on hold because they like broke their foot and they were on a contract and the guys were just like, sorry, like you're on a contract. It's like, I totally get that there are contracts and there are terms and those should be upheld. 99% of the time, but there are situations that you can be flexible, mm-hmm. you know, um, for example, in something like that, if you're the type of gym that you want to be very, very strict on those terms, you can say, you know what, that, you know, I'm sorry to hear about this. What I can do is, you know, we can charge you the rest of the three months on your contract, hold it once you're healed up, then we'll just reapply those to when you, uh, when you start up so that you at least know that you've gotten the full value of your contract but it allows them to utilize it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there are a ton of little scenarios like that, which I'm actually working on a blog post right now um, that'll detail a lot of those, like, you know, those those cases uh, 
on a one-by-one -one basis and how to handle them. But um, the ultimate idea is creating a positive experience so that when people do have some sort of negative communication or experience that you can flip it and they come out of it as like, wow, that was really awesome mm -hmm. of a person or a gym to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good stuff. And kind of point being with that topic is like, you know, in customer service, most people in customer service only deal with negative things. Like yep. we, we get our share of like people who write in the compliment, but that's just not human behavior. Right. So, you know, you're able to deal with those and you'll always come into the gym and take class. And it's very noticeable that you never kind of bring that with you into the gym. And, you know, probably the biggest challenge that we ever had with that was, I don't I remember the exact year. It was circa 2013. We had the drug bust on our facility. <laughs> and this is, this is, oh, a, true, yeah. this is a true story. Um, we had government agents raid the, the property that we rented. I was coaching that class. Yeah. Like machine guns, mm -hmm. DEA agents, um, FBI agents, all over the place. And long story short, our landlord at the time was accused of distributing meth mm -hmm. and quite a bit of meth. Quite a fact. bit. Yep. <laughs> so not to get into technicalities, but our lease is with the city and our landlord holds the master lease. If our landlord gets convicted as a drug dealer, what happens to our master lease? <laughs> So we were in limbo for a while mm -hmm. and like we were very nervous that we were going to get kicked out of our facility yep. and we were like just hitting our stride. Everything was going great. Like, bam, get hit with this ongoing thing that went on for a few months behind the scenes and nobody knew about it. Yep. And it was in the news. So we would have people asking us like, hey, what's going on with this? But nobody had any clue that like we might be worst case scenario out of business, best case middle middle scenario have to move businesses right there was all these possibilities that happened but we we did not bring that into the gym and mm -hmm. i think that was a huge that's when we were coaching all the classes like it's really hard when you're co like coaching six to eight classes a day to not get moody right like oh, it's yeah. very hard and it happens to everybody it's happened to me it happens to everybody but large-scale situations like that like had we like talked about that and said this might happen like who knows what kind of like panic that could have created. It could have just set a tone of anxiety in the gym, but we kept it out of the gym. We kept that part of the business and not part of the operations with customers. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that is just like a, an example that, you know, I, I experience personally on a day-to-day -day basis handling like cancellations and uh, customer services. Like there are times where I'll wake up and there'll be like three cancels um, and I'll like, you know, maybe one or two of them are negative and it's like, that puts me in a bad mood real right. fast. And I'm like, I'm just like not happy. And I, I make a conscious effort that the moment I walk into the gym, that that's gone, mm -hmm. you know? And, and the best part about the gym is, you know, it is a place where you can walk in there and it like relieves you of that stress of, of everything that's going on. So, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and I hear a lot of stories about gym owners being super pissy um, and just like negative when they're in the gym. Um, and so you definitely have to make a conscious effort that every time you're in the gym, it is just like all positive, all fun, like all work, all hard work. But of course, at the same time, always being ready and having the ability to kind of shift 
what you're doing and kind of your direction. Um, you know, you look back at the um, the drug bust situation. Had we uh, had that gone a different way, and had we been forced to move or something like that, you need to be ready and have the ability to pivot and change directions with like full force and like full certainty. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the reality of being a small business gym is we have mobility and we have flexibility to be changing. And I don't have very good mobility. Yeah. <laughs> Every gym, you know, it's going to be listening to this, you know, your small business and we need to be taking advantage of this type of ability to pivot. And, you know, we opened as an independent gym for a number of reasons many among them where we did not want to be tied to a certain methodology. Yep. So, you know, if you are, let's say you own like a powerlifting gym and you're, you're all in on powerlifting. Yep. That's awesome. You're going to attract people who are all in on powerlifting. Yep. Powerlifting is also huge right now mm -hmm. and it remains to be seen if it's going to continue to be huge. Yep. So what happens when a downswing in the market occurs? Like, are you just your powerlifting guy, that's it. That's all you do. Mm -hmm. You're in it to win it and win powerlifting. If it, if something happens to powerlifting, like you're done. Right. Or like, do you want to give yourself the ability to pivot if market conditions change? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for us, our training has constantly evolved, constantly adapted based on, you know, different things that have come out to be beneficial, different styles of training. Maybe this doesn't work so well, but this does now. Like, we've been in such a fortunate enough to position to be able to evolve quite a bit since we've opened. Whereas if you're tied into that one methodology, like you're pretty much in bed with that and you have to roll with the punches for what, what happens just with that. Yeah. And I think that's tough. It's like, you want to plant your flag on who you are, but plant it in sand and not concrete, like yeah. be able to move it, be able to change it, be able to improve it based on what people want what works and what changes in the, in the fitness science and marketplace. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned the training, which is obviously big, like that training needs to constantly adjust and adapt to, you know, new research that's coming out and all that fun stuff. But even like a lot of the stuff that we've experienced as a brand, we've had to change, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, it blows me away. I actually just like happened to stumble across this that like a year ago we rebranded with a new logo and all that stuff. It was like, a little more than that, I think. Was it? Yeah. Because I feel like I saw something. Maybe it was a little bit over a year. Um, but, uh, you know, we were forced to change courses and rebrand. And, like, we did that so well that I, like, I forgot that we used to have. Oh, I didn't. Well, I mean, you, you that, remember. That but logo? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you remember because you're constantly reminded of it when you see, like, old yeah. screenshots. But, like... I, it's not even in the back of my head that like that's who we were. It's like we, we've been this brand with this logo to, in my head for like a long ass time. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty of that is like with a strong culture, you can pivot the brand if Absolutely. you need to. Absolutely, good point. Um, and that's why that culture, just everything goes back to that. Um, but yeah, it, it just you need to be flexible. You need to be mobile. Big companies talk about it all the time. Like oh, I'm, I miss the days when we were smaller and we could pivot when we needed to. Mm -hmm. Always keep that trump card in your pocket to be able to adjust and change and not have to scrap how you do absolutely everything as a result of that because what, what what's a you know what's a kettlebell gym gonna do when all of a sudden like they want to start offering more stuff yeah like that's just a that's a nightmare you have members that are there like just for kettlebells and they think your gym is changing new prospects looking at you like they're gonna think 
oh, but this is just a kettlebell place. They probably don't do this other stuff very well. It's just there's a lot to think about. Do not, you know, plant your flag on your culture, but remain very flexible in how you apply fitness. Yeah, and a, a good example, in my opinion, is boot camps. Like, for a little while there, like, boot camps were, like, all the rage. It was, you know, what everybody did. And, and you know, in a way, that was, like, a little bit of a fad where after a while you realize that just, you know, body weight circuit training type stuff is, like, not the most effective thing. And then it's, like, if you labeled yourself as just – a boot camp, like where are you going to go from there? Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden that market <clears throat> starts to shift. Um, and then all of a sudden you're, you're pretty much out of business. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see some interesting stuff with CrossFit over the years. Like CrossFit is massive. It's incredibly successful, but who, who knows, who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah. Um, you know, the people are still seeing it now, like the dumb shit that CrossFit does that they strategically allow because, you know, any press is good press. But I know that there's great gyms out there that hate the reckless stuff that CrossFit does, and they mm -hmm. don't want to be associated with that. So I, those people that, you know, like to do things a little bit differently but love the CrossFit methodology, they're going to come to a crossroads on, like, do I want to keep an affiliation? Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to observe that. Yeah, I've I've had a few conversations with clients, potential clients on our consulting side that um, – are discussing that as we speak where a lot of them are starting to drop, you know, the CrossFit affiliate. And I don't know if that's going to be like a mass, a mass kind of shift or it's just happening here and there, but that's definitely something that we kind of constantly keeping an eye on for sure. Um, and I think, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about, um, today, it requires a strong internal compass, um, the ability to know when to navigate, where to navigate and all that stuff. So, um, how, how's your internal compass? Um, it's real strong to quite strong. Always facing North. Yeah. It's North star. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get into that talk. But first, uh, why don't we take a quick break and tell everybody a little bit more about the consulting. Hey guys, this is Brian. Just wanted to take a quick minute from the show to discuss our exciting new consulting business. Um, you know, we're really excited to be able to help gym owners. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback from people wanting help, um, needing to fix some things inside their business. So to kind of better illustrate uh, what we can do for gym owners, I wanted to kick it over to Dave real quick. Uh, you know, we, we went through a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about what we could have done had we had people help us along the way uh, when we were starting our business. Well, I just remember when we opened in 2011, we literally had no idea what we were doing. We had a good sense of business and of fitness, but we didn't really know how to tie the two together. Mm -hmm. And we spent the better part of, you know, four, four and a half years through a lot of trial and error. And a lot of it was successful, but a lot of it wasn't. And I feel like if we just knew a set of proven processes, everything from your free trial process, how do you attract people to the website? Once they're there, how do you get them to sign up for a trial class? And how do you get them to show up for that trial class? Right. From there, how do you convert them to a member? So that's something that everybody talks about, like get more people in the door. Right. But nobody ever clearly defines how you do that and actually creates that process for you. That's true. So we were able to do that over... You know, your expertise through website, our collective expertise through developing our trial system to where we have a pretty good idea every single month, the exact amount of people that are going to try our gym. Yep. So that's first and foremost, and that's just kind of basic business forecasting that we'll be able to help our clients with. And then a very 
diverse group of modules that will go through with gyms, everything from search engine optimization to the website, to helping establish branding in that DNA of your gym, to helping with some marketing tactics, whether it be social media or more organic, um, teaching people how to own their business data, um, doing a business audit on these gyms, helping people develop um, a grasp of their churn percentage, where that should be, why they're losing members and how they can fix that, <clears throat> how to get better membership pricing for their market, to generate more aggressive referrals versus passive referrals, develop a community of all fitness levels. Um, and then on the flip side, going through just the human side of it, working with gym owners on their leadership. How is their leadership style? Do they do staff training? What is the systems in place to work on continuing education? What's the frequency that you meet with your staff? Are you supporting your staff versus just dictating what they should do? Um, breaking down the customer experience when they walk in the door. You know how important that is. You talk about that yep. all the time. What is somebody feeling when they walk in the gym? What is the experience? And even the programming. It's a, it's a touchy subject that a lot of gym owners think that they might do a great job of, but perhaps you're leaving revenue on the table by only appealing to a certain type of gym goer. Right. So it really is just a comprehensive putting the business under a microscope, going through all of that with the customers and really kind of customizing that to where gyms need the most help. No gyms out there are perfect. Everybody needs help in a little bit of areas. And if we just had what we're providing now, when we started out, we could have accelerated our growth process um, to even faster than what it was. So I'm, I'm real excited about it. Yeah, I mean, just listening to you say all that, that is a lot that we can offer a gym. Um, and it took us, you know, five years to develop these systems. Imagine if we were able to implement that stuff right away, or if you're stuck in your business, uh, being able to implement that and just accelerate your growth uh, so that you don't have to deal with the trial and error and, you know, lose a bunch of people that, you know, you could have kept and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, we're really excited for it. And, uh, you know, if you want to learn more about it, go to thebusinessofliftingweights.com. Um, and it just kind of illustrates exactly what we'll do, how it works and all that stuff. So um, feel free to reach out to us on the site if you have any questions about it. Awesome. Hope to hear from you guys. Okay, we're back and we're talking about the strong internal compass. So that's something that um, I think becomes much more important as you grow. You know, I, I personally think the easiest aspect of our business was back when we had one location, had mm -hmm. like 350 members and everything was like very controllable. Yeah. Um, as you grow and as you expand locations and you grow locations and you double in size, it's just more opportunity for more opinions, for more, um, hey, have you guys ever thought about doing this? Or, mm -hmm. hey, why don't we do this one time? Or let's add this class. Or, you know, more ideas come across your desk. And it's, you know, it's this fine line of feedback-based decision-making versus you know, you, you are the owner, you started this gym, you know, ultimately what's best or you should. Um, and Hopefully, it, it, yeah. yeah. And if you don't, then you're in trouble, but always sticking to, to your, your culture, your founding principles, the things that matter most that regardless of however, anything might be tweaked or changed or adjusted everything. If it doesn't fit, fill in the blank for your gym, then it doesn't get done. And it doesn't matter how many people say you should do it. Yep. Um, and I think that's huge because it's very easy to get influenced by everybody's ideas. Yeah. And, you know, I, there was a point, I forget when it was, where I feel like we lost our way a little bit. Um, and we were experimenting with some stuff and, 
you know, it wasn't going as planned and we started to look for outside, um, how do I want to call it? We basically started looking at other gyms that we liked and like tried to adopt some of their uh, feel and some of their visuals and stuff like that. And what ended up coming out of that was just like a horrible blend of part us, part some other people. And it just like, it didn't work. And finally we snapped out of it. It wasn't a long time, but like we definitely felt the effects of it, but we snapped out of it and was like, no, we know what, who we are. We know what we should be doing. Let's get back on track with who we are. Mm -hmm. And like from that moment, things just like got right back on track and started growing exponentially from there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think people can definitely tell when you're not being authentic to self and not being authentic to the culture. Um, and, you know, not to keep saying it over and over, but like it's why establishing that culture is so important. Yeah. So, you know, that, that brings us into kind of our, our final point here. Um, we went over value of culture, um, the importance of people, um, keeping things net positive, keeping the ability to pivot, keeping your strong internal compass. And the last one I want to talk about is really important. And um, I've published three blogs on the website now, businessofliftingweights.com. And every one of them talks about this in their own, kind of their own language. Mm -hmm. But it's having multiple lenses to view fitness. And I know that like, that's something that's always really important to you. It's been part of why we founded the gym. And it's kind of the one constant that's absolutely never left. Yep. And, you know, we are a place of, advanced fitness if you want to label it you know mm -hmm. we're doing powerlifting olympic weightlifting kettlebells free weight stuff like that's that's hard stuff and people learn it they come in they do great blah 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 but either you're going to be a gym that applies only to people who are seeking advanced fitness mm -hmm. and you're going to get 200 members and you're going to stay there mm -hmm. Or you're going to be the gym that knows that that's part of your foundation and that knows that that's what you train people with and how you improve them. But you're able to present that in a palatable way for people that are not just interested in hardcore fitness for them to be able to swallow and digest. Yep. So many places are just, they're hardcore, that's them, that's who they care about. They have no empathy and understanding towards other viewpoints of fitness and you limit yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The second you start seeing fitness through just your own lens, you totally limit yourself and you absolutely want to be passionate about what you're passionate about. And you're going to get really loyal followers by never abandoning that passion. But there's no reason you can't have that plus others Yeah. by simply relating to them and being able to come at them from an angle that understands like, Hey, I know that you're not like super all about fitness and it doesn't consume your life and you don't watch YouTube videos and read every article and you don't care how much you clean and jerk. I get that. Right. You can still get great results and I'm more than pumped to be able to show you how to do that. Yeah. And I think a good way to kind of relate to that is, you know, when you're communicating through social media, through your marketing, um, communicating about the journey and not necessarily about like, the result or anything like that because everybody is in their own journey to get point. better. Um, and that's kind of why we adopted our become more uh, slogan is because no matter what you personally want to specialize in or what you want to get out of this fitness program, everybody is there for 
you know, to get better in whatever it is they want to get better at. For sure. And we would never presume to tell somebody why they should come to the gym. Yes. And, you know, you, you make the great point on like branding, marketing, tell the story. I would take it a step further and say within the gym, like when you are doing walkthroughs, when you're, when you're, you know, when your coaches are, are training members, like all of your coaches are going to be high level. Like mm-hmm. they're not, a, they don't progress to coach without a high level of, of ability. Right. So is that all that you have now? Are you a one trick pony? Like you just appeal to advanced people or can you tap in to remember your progress when you started out? Maybe when you didn't really give too much of a shit about yep. how much you could snatch when you first started, yeah. like understanding that's who comprises, you know, there's a reason the term silent majority exists. Mm-hmm. And most, you know, I, I see this all the time where gyms and even coaches make the mistake of people who come to me and interact with me they're obviously the ones drawn to that major passion that I have. Yep. And then we start to think, oh, everybody thinks that way because these are the people that are coming to me. Those are the minority. The, mm-hmm. the, those are the people that are, are speaking up, but the people who aren't speaking up, they just don't care enough. Yeah. And never make the mistake of just seeing your own personal bias through your fitness lens. Yeah. Um, always make sure that you're self-auditing yourself like, hey, am I – still relating to these people. Like when's the last time I had a meaningful conversation from somebody that wasn't, you know, training to get the strongest back squat possible. You know, if you find yourself like crap, I am interacting with one kind of person, right. Then it's time to, to broaden your appeal. And I don't, I don't believe in specializing. (laughs) I don't believe in specializing your knowledge. Um, you know, this is a gym about the business of lifting weights. You want more business, you want more customers, broaden your damn horizons yeah. type stuff. So um, that's not to say, like, I hate the phrase of, like, as soon as you do more, like, you lose expertise, like, bullshit. Work harder, get more expertise and stuff that you don't know very well or that you don't care about. Mm-hmm. You know, become strong in everything and appeal to more people. Get more customers. Yeah. Like, don't sweat yourself so much that that's the only view that you have of how other people should do fitness. I, I assume that most people got into owning a gym and running a business to be successful and not to just pad their own ego. Like as you would the, assume, but as man, that's not the purpose. case for a lot of people. You know, yeah. Well, obviously, a lot of people like use it to pad their own ego, but I doubt a lot of people are like, I'm going to open up a gym so that I can like feel like I'm the man. You know, they got into business because they want to be successful and they want to grow a gym. So, you know, your advice right there is like spot on on how to do that. Yeah. And like nothing pisses me off more than like not being able to talk about making money. Yeah. Like, guess what? You opened a business. You better make some fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Like that is the point of opening a business. If not, go do shit for free. Yep. But the second that you decide that you want to open the doors and run a business, then you better treat it like a business, which requires customers and it requires money. So that is why it's just so important to be able to diversify the type of person that walks into your door. And it all circles back to getting multiple people across different levels of fitness and different goals because everybody is drawn to your, to the culture. And it's the become more culture for us to where a new person can walk in and be the same as the highest level performer as far as interaction within the gym, but they have different things that mean totally different things to themselves. One is not prioritized above the other. Both are extremely welcomed and aggressively coached to help that person and 
not prioritize simply because one might be interested in something that you're interested in. Very well said. I think that's a great way to leave this episode. Great. (laughs) Great passion on that too. Yeah. I just like, it's a big one. And like, if somebody were to ask me like, name like one single thing, why you guys have been more successful. Like, I think that's it. I really do. I think that like the ability for us to get the person who isn't hardcore, but wants to do that kind of fitness at their own pace. Like, It's huge. I mean, you look at our membership forms. We collect information on our membership forms. Um, and when people sign up about who they are and what their background is and, you know, the majority of people are not advanced. Yeah. The, and the large majority, the, the large majority are beginner intermediate. And so many people leave the gym and they go move to somewhere else in the country and they just say like, this sucks. Yeah. Like I... I feel like my I can't continue my progress because I either have to join like a gym that's super hardcore, which I don't want to do, or go do my own thing in Globo Gym. And you know, the point of this isn't to be like talk about how great we are, but like we've done a lot of things correct. And this episode is about making it six years, year over year growth for six years, and sharing those with listeners. And like that is just a huge takeaway that I want to hammer home into people is like get out of your own bubble and get out of your own lens and understand what most people are after when they come to the gym. And that's just basic health improvement. So figure out how your culture aligns with attracting those people. And like, that's when you will become very successful as a gym without watering down your product. Absolutely. That's it for me. All right. Um, let us know if you guys have any questions. Uh, we just started writing articles on the blog. So make out, make sure to check those out. Um, and as always, Share with any gym owners, coaches, or people that you think this could benefit, and we really appreciate you guys listening.